the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. And that can happen to us, can it? We get stuck here in the now. And we think, God doesn't hear me. God doesn't care. Or we think, this is never going to work out. We're going to die right here. We're never going to survive I don't know how we're going to get through the week. I don't know how we're going to get through the month. I don't know how we're going to get through the year. How many years have you been saying that? And the Lord somehow he gets you through the year. Through another year, another year, another year. And he's faithful to you. And he doesn't forsake you. And he's not going to forsake you. How do I know? Look at his hand. Because of the cross. Do you feel like you are enduring a season of hardship and are wondering if you will ever make it through? Today, Pastor Dan teaches you that God is always faithful and will help to see you through every season. By remembering the work of Jesus on the cross and his nailed, scarred hands, you can rest assured that the Lord cares for you. God is never going to leave or forsake you in your trials. He is with you, loves you, and will give to you the strength that you need. Pastor Dan reminds you to keep placing your trust in the Lord. And now, Open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. As we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ continuously cleanses us of our sins. Just as we walk in the light, we confess our sins. He's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of our unrighteousness. And in, in, that's in 1 John. In the Greek, it's in the present tense. As you walk in the light, his blood automatically cleanses you. It's automatic. As you confess your sins, he, he's faithful to forgive you and cleanse you. It's automatic with him. We don't, have to, we don't have to try to hide it and cover it up and just walk in the light with it. It's cleansed. Look at verse 9 again. He, he goes on. They shall feed, speaking of his people, along the roads and their pastures shall be on all desolate heights. Here it's, it's describing the Messiah who is to come as a shepherd and his people as his sheep. Jesus is our good shepherd. We're the sheep of his pasture. And he, he in Psalm 23, he causes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters, our good shepherd. They shall neither hunger nor thirst, neither heat nor sun shall strike them, which can be deadly for sheep. For he who has mercy on them will lead them. Again, Jesus, the good, the good shepherd, leading us. And he leads us even by the springs of water. He will guide them. Springs of water. That's living water. It's fresh.
fresh water, flowing water, life-giving water, refreshing water out there in that hot sun. He leads us beside still waters. Look at verse 11. I will make each of my mountains a road and my highways shall be elevated. Now, in the ancient world, you typically did not travel through the mountains. You tried to go around the mountains because traveling through the mountains was so difficult. In Israel, the main trade routes came in from the north and went over to the coast area and came down the coast because coastland was flat. It was easy to travel. Uh, you, You didn't really go through the mountains if you didn't have to. But here the Lord says, I'm going to make a I'm going to make a road through the mountains for you. I'm going to make your travel easy. I'm going to elevate my highways. I'm going to make the rough places smooth for you. So you've got easy going. He's going to make a highway for his people so they can return to him. Surely they shall come from afar. Look, those from the north and the west and these from the land of Sinem. They're going to come from far countries. He's not just talking about Babylon here. This is looking down even to the end of the age when the Jews are returning back to their homeland from all over the world. He says even as far as Sinem. Now, Sinem, we're not really sure where that is. Some some scholars think it was somewhere in Egypt. Others believe it was somewhere in the Far East, maybe even China. But it, it was simply a way of saying someplace really far away. Like we say Timbuktu today, right? You know, like he, he came all the way from Timbuktu. Well, back then they said, well, people will come from Sinem. You know, the ends of the earth kind of thing. So he's going to make a highway for his people to return back to him and back to their land. These people that are going to go off into captivity in Babylon. He's promising them before they even go that they're going to, he's going to make a highway for them. So they can come back. So verse 13, here's how you should respond to that. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out singing, O mountains. Why? For the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy on his afflicted. I mean, what what a wonderful verse, verse 13 is. Sing praises to the Lord, be joyful, break out into singing because the Lord has comforted his people and he's had mercy on the afflicted. And notice verse 13, the Lord is calling creation to worship him. The heavens, the earth, the mountains. He tells the mountains to break out and singing. That all of creation should worship Jesus Christ for what he has done for his people in saving them. And the Bible tells us, and and I, I, I believe that in the kingdom age, that somehow creation will worship. It talks about the trees clapping their hands. It talks about the mountains breaking forth in song. And I, I believe somehow that that literally is going to happen. The trees will clap their hands and the mountains will sing and the heavens will sing and the earth will be joyful and rejoice because of the salvation of Jesus Christ and the way he has comforted his people and the way he has shown mercy to the afflicted. I mean, this is good news, right? This is great news. But look at verse 14. But Zion, his people, said, well, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. God just promised to comfort his people and to be merciful to them in their affliction. 
He just said he's going to make a way for them through the mountains. He's going to make a road through the mountains and he's going to make a way for them to return back to him and back to their land. And he just said, man, you should be rejoicing and singing and praising. And they respond by saying, well, the Lord's forsaken me and the Lord's forgotten all about me. Isn't it amazing how our perspective on God can be completely wrong sometimes? Just completely wrong. Just 100 percent not true. Sometimes we get that perspective on people, too. Just completely wrong. I mean, nothing could be more wrong for them to think that God has forgotten them. There's nothing that we've seen in this chapter that they could, you know, misconstrued or or misunderstand and take to mean that God is saying, well, he's forgotten me. There's nothing. The opposite is in this chapter. God has said the opposite to them in this chapter. There's, There's nothing that you could even see where, oh, I could see how they twisted that and just misunderstood what he was saying there and thought he was saying, I've forgotten you and forsaken you. There's nothing like that in this chapter. They've just imagined this vain imaginations. And we we can do that sometimes with God. We can do that with other people where we just we just think, well, this is what I think. And it's not rooted or founded in the truth about God at all. You know, the Bible tells us to take every thought captive and bring it into submission under the word of God. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about God? And God's love for you and God's faithfulness to you and God's care for you. What is the truth of Scripture? Go with that. Don't go with what you think or what you feel or what your, you know, mind comes up with. What I love here, too, here, you know, they're 180 degrees off from the truth. The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. After all these great things that God just said he was going to do for them. That's what that's their conclusion from everything that God just said. And God is so gracious here. He's so gracious in the way that he responds to them. He doesn't respond to them the way that you or I might respond to them. He doesn't say, I have forgotten you. You really think I have forgotten you? You're crazy. How did you ever come up with that after what I just said to you? He doesn't say that. That's what you and I might say. But that's not what God says. Instead, God is is. In his grace, he takes the time to reason with them, to reason with his his people. And he asks them reasonable questions. Look at verse 15. He says, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. And, And of course, there's there's heartbreaking exceptions to this, but generally speaking, a mother would never forget her nursing child. A mother would never stop loving the child that she's given birth to. And the Lord's affection for his people is greater than the devotion of a mother to her nursing child. That's what he's saying here. Look what he says in verse 16. God says, see I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Makes you think of the nail scarred hands of Jesus, right? And, and here they think that he has forgotten about them and that he has forsaken them. And he says, wait a minute, look at my hands. Look at the holes. Look at my feet. 
Look at the scars on my brow from the crown of thorns. Look at the hole in my side. Look at the wounds on my back from the scourging I took for you. How could I ever forget you? How could I ever forsake you? After what I've gone through to purchase you, to get you, to redeem you. Look at my hands. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. He says, your walls, speaking of Zion, which is Jerusalem, your walls are continually before me. He says, you know, you're always on my mind. I'm always thinking about your city. It's always in the forefront of my thoughts. Your sons shall make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid you waste shall go away from you. Lift up your eyes. Look around and see all these gather together and come to you. As I live, says the Lord, you shall surely clothe yourselves with them all as an ornament and bind them on you as a bride does. You know, the Lord here is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring you back to your own land, to your own city. And all of these that have come against you, I'll make them like an ornament for you. Verse 19, for your waste and desolate places. Remember, the the Assyrians first came in and destroyed all of the cities of Judah, except for Jerusalem. Then the Babylonians are going to come in and, and destroy Jerusalem, destroy the temple. And the Lord says, for your waste and desolate places and the land of your destruction will even now be. Be too small for the inhabitants and for those who swallowed you up and those who swallowed you up will be far away. The Lord says he's going to bring them back into their land. They're going to restore the cities, rebuild the desolate places. They're going to once again fill the land. Verse 20, the children you will have after you have lost the others will say again in your ears, the place is too small for me. Give me a place where I may dwell. Those who who come back from the exile in Babylon, who lost their children to the Babylonians, they're going to come back. They're going to have more children. And the land is going to be so filled with people that the land is going to be too small for all of them. It's going to be crowded. There's not going to be enough room. The people will say, this place is too small for us. Verse 21, then you will say in your heart, Who has begotten these for me since I have lost my children and am desolate, a captive and wandering to and fro? And who has brought these up? Where did all these people come from? (laughs) So people are going to say, where did all these people come from? How did all these people get here? How did the land get filled and crowded with people? 
Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will lift my hand in an oath. I'll make a pledge. I will lift my hand in an oath to the nations and set up my standard for the peoples. They, the nations, the Gentile nations, shall bring your sons in their arms and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. These godless pagan nations, God, God says, I promise you, these godless nations, they will bring your sons and your daughters back into your own land. They will carry them in their own arms. They're going to do it. And by the way, we see that being fulfilled today in Israel. Kings shall be your foster fathers and their queens, your nursing mothers. In other words, other nations are going to are going to pay for your return and are going to provide for you. And they shall bow down to you with their faces to the earth and lick up the dust of your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed who wait for me. And give me your attention. Here's, here's what the Lord is saying to Israel. He's saying to them, and I don't want you to miss this. He is saying to them, you don't see the big picture. You don't see the big picture. You know, he's, he's writing to, to the Israelites who are going to be carried away in the captivity because of their own sin, because of their own rebellion. They brought it on themselves. It's their own fault. And they're going to be in Babylon and they're going to say, God has forsaken me. God has forgotten me. God doesn't care. God doesn't see. And God says to him here, you no, no, you don't see the big picture. You just see what you're going through right now. And you're just feeling what you're going through right now. But you don't see the big picture. You don't know what my big plan is. And I've got a big plan for you. And Jeremiah, through Jeremiah, the prophet, the Lord's going to say to Israel, I know the plans I have for you. And they're plans for good, not for evil, to bring you a future and a hope. I've got this plan for you. And it's a good plan. And it's a plan that has a future for you. And it's a plan that's going to fill you with hope. Right now, they're just, they're just filled with despair. God's forgotten us. God doesn't care. God doesn't hear. God's forsaken. And God says, no, 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 no. You don't see the big picture. I've got this plan that I am hatching for you. And let me tell you a little bit about this plan. I'm going to bring you back into the land. You have more people in the land than you've ever had before. It's going to be crowded. I'm going to have the nations bring the people back for you. Kings and queens are going to bow down to you. I've got this this big future in store for you. You you don't you just don't know that. And you're stuck right here in the now. And that can happen to us, can it? We get stuck here in the now. And we think God doesn't hear me. God doesn't care. Or we think this is never going to work out. And we're going to die right here. We're never going to survive this. I don't know how we're going to get through the week. Or I don't know how we're going to get through the month. Or I don't know how we're going to get through the year. How many years have you been saying that? And the Lord somehow he gets you through the year and through another year, another year, another year. And he's faithful to you and he doesn't forsake you and he's not going to forsake you. How do I know? Look at his hands because of the cross, because of the cross. And the thing for the children of Israel here, the same thing for us. If at this point when they're in despair and they're just kind of caught up in the moment that they're in without knowing the big picture and God's big plan. If at this point in their despair, they decide to give up on the Lord and forsake the Lord. As as most of them in Babylon did, then they miss out on the big plan that God has for them. When Cyrus, the king of Persia, comes on the scene and he defeats the Babylonians 
and he allows the children of Israel to go back to their homeland and rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. It's only a small remnant who go back. The rest had already given up a long time ago. On God. And so it's only a small remnant who walked by faith instead of walking by sight. Who got to see God's big plan unfold for them. And that's what God's saying here. Hey, don't listen, listen, listen. I got a plan and it's a glorious plan. I haven't forsaken you. So you don't forsake me. Don't give up on me because I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm taking you. I know what I'm going to do for you. You just hold on. Walk by faith and trust me. And when it happens, look at the end of verse 23. Then, then you will know that I am the Lord. For they shall not be ashamed who wait for me. You won't be ashamed. You're not going to be ashamed waiting on the Lord. Shall the prey be taken from the mighty or the captives of the righteous be delivered? But thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away. You know, for the children of Israel in Babylon, they thought there's no way we're ever going to get out of here. There's no way our circumstances are ever going to change. No way this is ever going to improve. And they couldn't see it. Even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away and the prey of the terrible be delivered. For I will contend with him who contends with you. I'll fight your battles for you. I'll deal with Babylon. I will save your children. I will feed those who oppress you with their own flesh. And they shall be drunk with their own blood as with sweet wine. All flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am your savior and your redeemer. The mighty one of Jacob, he says in verse 26, I'll deal with your enemies. I'll deal with those who are oppressing you and coming against you. I'll deal with them. You don't try to deal with them. Let me deal with them. Let me deal with them. And he says at the end that I, the Lord, everyone will know that I, the Lord, am your savior and your redeemer. The mighty one of Jacob. He's doing all of this, everything that he's doing in your life, all the stuff that he's bringing you through, all of the trials, all of the tough stuff. He does it ultimately because he wants you to walk by faith and not by sight. He wants you to trust in him. And even though you can't see the big picture and you can't see how you're ever going to get out of this situation or how this is ever going to work out, how this is ever going to change, he's got a plan and he's got a future and he's got a hope and he's going to do it in his way so that he gets all the glory for his glory. He does it so that people will know that you have a savior and a redeemer. He asked me how I know and I say bring truer than the finest crystal. That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton for his verse-by-verse study through the book of Isaiah. This extraordinary book is quoted in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament book. Plus, it provides us with the most comprehensive picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It includes the full scope of His life and ministry, from His virgin birth to His sacrificial death to His resurrection and second coming in glory. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an edition of this program. That website again is calvaryec.com. 
We'd love to hear from you, too, and learn how Ring of Truth has blessed you. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Let us know how God is working in your life and if there's anything that we can be praying for during this study of Isaiah. That number again is 410-491-4592. With that, our time with you has come to an end. We pray the Lord bless and keep you and that your faith is deepened with each passing day. Tune in next time to continue our study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth. It's true.